Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman, and I'm a five board accredited life coach and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. Before we get stuck into the episode, I just want to thank you all for the feedback that you gave me on Instagram for the podcast. I've taken it all on board. Hopefully the audio is sounding better this episode and I've taken all your notes as well. Like apparently I don't breathe. There was a very simple explanation for that. I was recording in a cupboard and every 10 minutes I would get pins and needles. So you start talking a bit faster to try to avoid the pins and needles. So I changed my setup. I'm now under a blanket. We're going to see if that works better. With anything new, there are always going to be teething pains. And I think that's just what it is. If you go back to my first YouTube videos, if you go back to my first TikTok videos, they all weren't great either. But it's important to get started. And for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram, you know, one of my mottos is done is better than perfect. And that's very much what I felt when it came to kicking off this podcast because I've been trying to get it off the ground since January. So get started, figure it out and thanks for sticking with me while I still have my training wheels on. Anyway, on to the topic. This week we are talking about friendships and I think friendships is still one of those really underrated conversations and it hasn't been fully developed yet, both in terms of the media but also in general society. For example, how normalised is it for someone to be upset about a breakup? But if you say you're upset about a friendship breakup, you suddenly sound like a 13-year-old crying in a playground. This actually happened to me directly. I was giving it a talk about Christmas, of all things. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I dislike all this hype around Christmas. I don't think I dislike Christmas itself. It's just more so the fact that there isn't a full conversation around the fact that Christmas can be really hard for some people. It brings up toxic family issues. But also when we only talk about Christmas as a positive thing, it means that people who have to spend Christmas alone or those who have loved ones who've passed away this time of year. And that can be really hard. So as much as I don't like Christmas, I did say yes to this panel because I felt like there needed to be a voice on the panel vocalising these things. But the night before I'd gone to a house party with my then best friend and it led to quite a fight and the following morning I was walking from the station to give this talk 
when we were both texting to try to resolve this fight. But the more we texted, the more I realised this fight was not being resolved and it definitely started sounding more like a breakup. And this was a person who I was closer to than my own sister. That's no exaggeration. And my entire face looked like I had been crying. I was on the panel with one of my good friends, Megan Crabb. You might know her as Body Posy Panda. And when she saw my face, she was like, oh no, what's happened? And also, we need to fix you up because we're about to go on stage in half an hour. So that's what we did. She wiped away my tears, helped me touch up my makeup. But the whole time, all I was thinking was if I walked in there and was like, I just broke up with my boyfriend, everyone would be sympathetic and nod in agreement that this is like unbearable and hard to deal with and I can't believe you have to go on stage. But if I walked in there being like me and my best friend just broke up, it would sound like I was a child. And that really annoyed me. I wouldn't have walked in there anyway and brought my personal stuff into a work thing because that's just not how I roll. But just hypothetically, I hated the fact that a breakup is given more significance when I don't know about you, but my friendship breakups have hurt me way more than any guy has. So Megan helped me tidy up my makeup, clear up my face, try to look like I just hadn't been crying. We did the panel and the first thing I did when I walked off stage was go to check my phone to see whether my then best friend had replied and she hadn't. And that was the end of the friendship. So... It's definitely one of those stories which I keep in my head of I can do anything because if I can give a panel about Christmas while my best friend, the person who is closest to me, is breaking up with me in the middle of it, then I can do anything. And I genuinely feel really proud of myself when I look back on that moment because I was able to do my job that day no matter what else was going on in my personal life and there have been multiple instances in my job where I've had to put a mask up or actually Megan at the time said you have to go on that stage and be scared not scared so that's actually a tool I use quite often that I sometimes just have to go be scared not scared and then I can be human later. And whilst it's a really sad memory it's one I keep in my back pockets to remind myself that I can get through anything. But also it wasn't all loss when you lose friendships, you also tend to gain new ones and Megan had never seen me cry before and crying in front of people is something I'm still not great at, I'd much rather cry alone and so in a way it strengthened our friendship and I genuinely don't know if I would have got through it if it hadn't been for her comforting words and the fact she allowed me to be human both before it and after it. So you lose friends and you gain friends and the cycle continues but we do need to evolve the conversation around friendship because all I know is the way we talk about friendship right now does not work. So let's get stuck in and let's get into the first question. Hi Michelle, Um, this is a 27 year old woman from Seattle. Um, First of all, thanks so much for your book um, and congrats on the new podcast. I'm a big fan. So I've been best friends with this girl, we'll call her Lisa since I was about 14, 15 years old in high school. And a few years ago, her dad unexpectedly passed away in his 50s. And then her grandpa got diagnosed with cancer and he passed away. And so she had a couple years there that were really traumatizing, you know, a lot going on. Shortly after her father passed away, uh, she met a nice guy at work um, and started dating him. And I didn't really think much of him. I mean, I'm not like his biggest fan in the world, but he seemed kind of nice enough. And okay, great. Like, happy for you that you have this new relationship. Um, You know, someone, an additional person to support you through the grief of losing two family members. 
everything seemed picture perfect. Um, no complaints really. Uh, you know, after about a year and a half, two years, started talking about how she hopes that he proposes. Um, he did propose and they got married in a very glamorous and expensive ceremony, um, in an international location. Um, Six months after the wedding, so last November, um, I got a call from her that she had just cheated on him and then, um, you know, was weeping and sobbing about how he's her best friend and she's so heartbroken. She really regrets it. But at the same time, they have been having issues with their sex life for basically as long as their um, relationship has gone on and, you know, started to bring up all of these wrongdoings that he had done over the years, but she had never mentioned any of these things to me over the course of our friendship. And, you know, she mentioned, you know, wanting to have respect for his privacy, um, about some of the issues that he was going through. But at the same time, it was just really shocking to go from, you know, we're best friends. We, I tell her everything but she hadn't been telling me really anything about her romantic relationship. And, you know, only six months after I helped her walk down the aisle, um, she was asking for a divorce. Um, she very quickly got involved in another romantic relationship. Like, really, <laughs> basically the person she cheated on her husband with, she wanted to start a relationship with ASAP. We've really struggled um, our, with our friendship because, you know, I don't want to abandon a friend while she's going through a really tough time. You know, I assume a divorce is very emotionally taxing, but, um, after she told me that she wanted a divorce, um, I started to kind of compare notes with some other people in the situation, such as her now ex-husband and found very different stories based on kind of who you talk to. Um, And I tried to call her out on some of those things and say, like, basically, did you lie to me about some of these details? And she would never really fess up. Sometimes she would, but most of the time it was some sneaky, convenient explanation for why I had misunderstood or it was just a miscommunication. So basically, I'm feeling very um, hurt and betrayed. I want to give her grace and be understanding, but I feel like she low-key might be a pathological liar um, and just way too concerned about how things look to the outside. I'm her best friend. I I just expected things to be different between us two than her versus the rest of the world. So yeah, I guess, you know, the question is, this is not a toxic relationship, but I also just fear that if I were to be her friend, I would be enabling her manipulation and lies okay thanks hey there thank you so much for your question and thanks for getting my book by the way so this friendship might not be a toxic one but I'm also really wary of using the word toxic nowadays because everyone uses it and no one really knows what it means also you don't need a toxic relationship in order to cut that person out of your life I think it's really important we remember that toxic dynamics exist but toxic people do not a person can be toxic with you and not with another person it doesn't label 
label them as a toxic human, but your dynamic might not be healthy. And in order for a dynamic to occur, it needs two people to dance. So it's just as toxic to call your friend a pathological liar as it is for your friend to lie. So again, let's take accountability for our side of the street and let's not use psychological terms like pathological liar because I understand that underneath it is a lot of anger but we don't want to encourage this use of psychology terms in a casual way. So let's start from the beginning. You said you'd both been friends for 13 years. Let's just take a moment and recognize how much a person changes in 13 years. That's a long time and people change not just over that length of time but as you grow up. So for example when I was 18 years old and I would go on a first date I would call everyone. I would text three or four people and then I would repeat the same conversation over the phone to those friends and not get bored. Now I'm 27 and I definitely don't do the same thing. I'm actually the same age as you and the majority of my best friends won't even know when I go on a first date. I'll usually only actually let one person know, the person who has my location and even then I don't tend to do what I used to call a debrief with that person anymore because frankly I don't need it anymore. Things change and a first date doesn't hold as much significance to me but also I have more important things in my life that I want to talk about when I get my best friends on the phone because also we don't have the chance to get on the phone as often as we used to. I don't need as much advice when I was 18 years old and also I value my own opinion a lot more at 27 but if my best friends started measuring how close we are based on how much I tell them after a first date then they would take a very different meaning. They wouldn't take away the meaning that I'm more independent now or that I'm simply busier but instead they would take away the meaning that our friendship is not as good or not as close. There are many meanings you can take away from this situation and I just want to make you aware of it because having less information doesn't mean you aren't as close. Stop equating how much a person shares with you to the closeness of your relationship. It is not a reliable source or measure of friendship. All of this is a normal part of growing up and actually I think it's quite normal to stop telling your best friend every single thing about your relationship. In fact, I actually think it's good boundaries. In the same way that if I found out that my best friend was telling her boyfriend everything about the intricacies of my life or everything that I've told her in privacy I would be really upset I would find it really invasive just because I've told my best friend something doesn't mean it's automatic permission for her to share that with her boyfriend and therefore in the same way let's say her boyfriend is suffering with erectile dysfunction or difficulty in their sex life it would be really invasive if she started telling you about that too because it's not her information to share I understand that what you're picking up on is the change the change in the amount of information but we change as we grow up but I think it's really normal to get more self-sufficient with age and you want that for your best friend and you also want that for yourself it's a good thing and also just recognize the fact that when it's not your information to tell there needs to be stronger boundaries that we don't always have in puberty and in adolescence I can never say that word I appreciate I don't know you and I don't know the full context so I'm going to use this term really loosely But it looks like you have a codependent relationship and it's lost its codependency or actually more accurately, your best friend has replaced her codependency with you, with her husband and now this new guy that she's into. The biggest way I know this, the biggest warning sign is the fact that you use the word abandoned and you were talking about how you don't want to abandon your best friend but I actually think you're the one feeling abandoned. 
it really hurts and it sucks and you're allowed to feel that when a codependency ends it feels like half your body is missing and the thing is she will not be experiencing that because you've been replaced and as much as you can't actually be physically replaced it will feel like that to you and in order for you to heal that you need to feel it and it hurts and you need to let it hurt. If you were a life coaching client in person I would have actually stopped you halfway through your voice note. I've actually cut down your voice note slightly but still I would have stopped you while speaking and said a very simple question. How do you feel? There is too much focus on your friend and her relationships and you're also projecting and predicting too much. Like at the point where you said that a divorce you could assume is very emotionally taxing. How do you know that? How do you not know that she's feeling really relieved or liberated after the divorce? A divorce doesn't feel the same for every person and you can't make these assumptions. What your question boils down to is you have two problems. One, you feel hurt and betrayed and two, you don't know whether you want this friendship. How you deal with the hurt and betrayal is you need to let it hurt, as I said. Sit in the feeling, let it come to the surface and let it be painful and cry it out. Drown out the stories of what she said and what she did and instead focus on yourself, focus on the sensations in your body. Talk to the inner child in you who feels rejected and abandoned right now and once you felt all those things, then talk to her about how you feel. But with a caveat, do not include your judgments about her relationship. No matter how wrong or right you think you are, focus on your feelings. So for example, instead of saying you lied to me, you can say it really hurts when I feel like you are lying to me. Yes, that sounds like a subtle difference, but it's a difference because it acknowledges that she might not be lying and to be accused of being lying when sometimes you aren't or being accused of lying because you are believing her husband over your best friend prevents her from having the benefit of the doubt which I believe she deserves if you've been friends for 13 years and I think this conversation will actually be your answer to the second problem. She will either care about your feelings and want to heal the friendship, she'll want to put the work in or she won't and then that's your answer as well. Then you have a decision to make whether you want this person in your life or not. But either way, you need to stop focusing on her and bring the focus back to you. Best of luck and thank you so much for the question. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking shrill. Every week I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV and we use it as an opportunity to improve our own communication. And this has actually become my favourite part of the segment. And shrill was a weird discovery. So I was going through BBC to try to find the BBC3 documentary I'm in. It's called Being East Asian if you haven't watched it. And I was scrolling and I saw that Shrill had a second season, which shocked me because anyone who knows me knows I'm quite on top of it when it comes to my TV shows. But also I follow Lindy West. So I feel like this show needs to go away and come back with a proper marketing plan because how did I not know about it? And therefore, I feel like it's not being talked about enough or maybe I just missed the boat. Either way, I was very grateful to discover there is a season two. I am very happy that there was a season two and uh, we just need to shout about it a little bit more. So this is my chance to shout about it. And the scene I want to talk about is when her best friend Fran discovers that the person she is seeing is dating other people without her knowing. And upon finding out, she deletes her number, blocks her on all social media. So as much as I'm here for all this block and delete party, and I preach it very often on Instagram, you're missing a step. You haven't communicated with her. Yes, it's really bad of her that she's seeing other people without communicating that clearly. But we do not lower our standard of behaviour because someone treats us badly. That's essentially ghosting. That person will have no clue why you deleted or blocked that number because you did not communicate. I have a very strong anti-ghosting policy and the more and more in society ghosting is becoming normalised, the more and more I become anti it because frankly it sets up a bad habit in your life where you choose to avoid the hard conversations because they might be awkward and we shouldn't be only having the hard conversations if you are forced into them. So I have two questions that were not answered on the show. One, did they have a clear conversation where they actually decided they were being exclusive or was it assumed? And I know I sound like a fuckboy here, but it's real. You need to have an actual conversation about it and your assumption is on you. And if you have assumed that without actually a conversation taking place, then you can't blame the other person. So for example, I've been a person who's dated more than one person at the same time and after two or three dates I always go out of my way to check that they know. I think it's polite and I think it's courteous and then that person can make a choice whether it's something they want and at least they have the full information so they can decide properly. But also providing that information means they can tell me if they want to be exclusive and then I'm the one who has a decision to make. If we then choose to end it then I'm all for this block and delete party but we skipped a few steps first and what goes wrong is that there are so many assumptions being made without giving the person you're dating the benefit of the doubt and actually having a conversation with them. 
I don't believe in seeing the good in people, but as I mentioned in the last question, I do believe in giving someone a little benefit of the doubt. I am really conscious of red flags, but just giving someone a chance to explain is really important. Because how do you not know that upon asking a question or two, she would actually choose you over the other people that they were dating? I've been put in this situation before where I was dating two guys. I was really upfront with both of them. They both were cool with it. And then one guy on date five had an issue with it and was like, I can't do this. I want you all to myself or not. What do you say to that? And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I want to see where this goes. So I ended it with the other guy and we continued dating. This only happened because he was upfront with me. This only happened because he gave me a chance to change my mind. It's about communication. And sometimes I just think the most dysfunctional conversation is the one that doesn't take place in real life, but the one that takes place in your head. Therefore, you have this whole conversation. You've not let the other person know what you're thinking. And so you both end up in a very dysfunctional conversation simply because you didn't speak anything out loud and it didn't actually exist in real life. So don't assume and go talk to people. Okay, on to the next question. Hi Michelle, I've always had difficulty being friends with guys without constantly considering the idea of a relationship with them or wondering if they're into me. I know it sounds really egotistical and I'm sure it's just a product of being raised in such a heteronormative society and when boys and girls are friends when they're little adults tease them about being in love and act as though men and women can't be friends. Um, which is further perpetrated in the media. Um, It's just I'm sick of being with my guy friends and constantly wondering if everything they do is them making a move when I know that it's not. Um, I wondered if you had any tips or advice on how to unlearn this instinct so I can hang out with my friends in peace. (laughs) Love your work, Remy. Thank you so much for this question. It's a really interesting one, especially as someone who grew up in an all-girls boarding school. And that means amongst my school friends, and some of them have not grown out of this, there is a higher significance for male friendships than female friendships. And I think that's because of the scarcity that occurs in an all-girls boarding school. So if you're a girl who wants to be friends with a girl, those friendships were available in high quantities. You could pick anyone in our year group. But a male friendship was a lot harder to find. You would have to go out of school to find those friendships. And therefore, the scarcity or lack of availability led to the confusion that they almost held an increased value. Also, when you're 15 years old and straight, the minds of men or boys at the time are a mystery. And if you have a male friend who can help you figure it out, that is very valuable as well. Or at least for me, I needed a male friend to enlighten me to some of their very weird ways of thinking. But out of interest, when I was preparing this episode, I ended up googling whether men and women can be friends. And if you just look at the main page of Google, you can see where this idea comes from. There's a whole page of things that confirm this belief, whether it's a Daily Mail article or the use of the word friend zone, which frankly, is only used against women and therefore I feel like is a very sexist term because when a man rejects a woman, we don't say that she's been put in the friend zone. But when a woman rejects a man, we say that he's been put in the friend zone because clearly a man and a woman being friends is only a demotion from a romantic relationship and would be a direct wound to the male ego because how could a woman not be attracted to them? 
Anyway, back to your actual situation. The question that is more important here is, are you interested in them? Because if you aren't interested in them, then why does it matter? It does not matter at all. Controversial or not, I believe someone is allowed to have a crush on you, whether they communicate it or not, and you can still stay friends. If they don't communicate it, then they don't get to reap the rewards of finding out whether it's mutual. And if they do communicate it, yes, it leads to the potential of rejection and potentially affecting your friendship. But then they get to find out whether it's mutual and that's the benefit that they get to reap if they dare to take that risk. If they don't choose to communicate it, however, I am certainly not going to be playing a guessing game of trying to read their hidden behaviours or hidden messages because one, I am not interested in any of my friends. Two, I have a strict policy of not dating any of my friends and therefore I don't entertain those thoughts. And three, I want a partner who is able to communicate and actually says how they feel. So if a relationship starts off me trying to read your body language and hidden signals, that's already a precedent for bad communication. So as much as I started off my answer with saying it's a relatable question, I'm saying that from the media we watch, not so from my own life. For my own life, it's not relatable at all. I don't date my friends. In fact, I actually was in a friendship group for about five years where it was 25 men and women in a friendship group. And it was a very incestuous friendship group. Everyone had at least, very least, kissed one person in the friendship group. Everyone, that is, except for me. And when one of my friends asked me this, we were all actually in the same room. The whole friendship group was in the same room. And a person asked me, why haven't you got with anyone in the room? I said, quite smugly, I don't shit where I eat. And the reason why I was so smug about it was because, of course, so many of the romantic encounters had ended badly and so had left some awkward individual relationships within this friendship group. I think I actually said something like, I don't shit where I eat and look how well it's worked out for me compared to the rest of you. I was very smug about it. Everyone laughed and the night kind of moved on. But let's say hypothetically a guy was sitting in that room and had a secret crush on me. I think I would have just declared to the room that I'm not interested and therefore that's why I don't think any of them acted on it if they were interested. But the same situation happened on one of my birthdays. I think it was my 19th birthday and I was sat with three of my guy friends and my mum came up to us and was like, when are one of you going to date my daughter? At which point I turned around and was like, who says I'm interested in any of them? As long as I'm not interested, it really did not matter. So I think men and women can be friends. But also, I even think that you can stay friends with someone who has an unrequited crush on you. As long as they respect the fact that you aren't interested. If they continue hitting on you when you've said no, then that's a problem. But that's more of a problem of not listening to you and not respecting your boundaries, which would not only make them a bad boyfriend, but that would make them a bad friend overall. So my answer to you is how you get this idea out of your head is to focus more on you and what you want and stop focusing on them. Do you find them attractive? Great, go tell them. If the answer is no, then perfect. Stop trying to predict their hidden feelings, thoughts and secrets. The next thing, which adds to any friendship, male or female or non-binary, is keep the principle, you say what you mean and mean what you say. So you don't have to do this guesswork of reading body language. Also, if you really want to get honest with yourself, what is the secondary gain that you are getting out of this belief? In coaching, we talk about secondary gain. So every problem comes with a benefit and that is called a secondary gain. 
So in coaching, we talk about secondary gain a lot. So let me just explain it. Every problem comes with a benefit and we call that benefit the secondary gain. So using an example of when I was ill when I was 19, very real problem, but what was my secondary gain? I got to spend six more weeks with my parents and I got more attention from my friends. Is that to say I caused my illness to get those things? No, of course not. If I really want to spend time with my parents, I'm sure I would have found a better way than obstructing my bowels. But did that mean I benefited in certain ways? 100%. And it's not a conscious thing. It's an unconscious thing. So I didn't consciously obstruct my bowels in order to get attention. But unconsciously, it could be a need that needed fulfilling. And if the secondary gain is large enough, you will stay in that problem longer because unconsciously you are benefiting from it too. But also your brain might not know other ways to fulfill that need. And therefore, sometimes they use uh, unhelpful ways of fulfilling those needs. So, of course, you have an actual problem that it's affecting your friendships. But if you're honest with yourself, what is the secondary gain? How are these thoughts benefiting you? Does it make you feel more important? Does it make you feel more attractive? Does it make you feel more wanted? Examine that and then you can let it go and that will help solve the problem. But also, again, focusing on you is the solution to this. Best of luck and I hope it really improves your male-female relationships. Today's three tips is on creating new friendships. So number one, reach out to acquaintances. Most of my best friends are actually off Instagram and there was a point in my life I found it really hard being an influencer without having any friends who understood this side of my life. So I started reaching out to people via DMs from Megan Crabb to Amalia Lee to Essie Dennis. A lot of these people are really good friends of mine now because I sent them a DM one day asking to go for coffee next time they were in London. The worst thing they could have said was no, and most of them, if not all of them, said yes. And there were a lot of people who I asked for coffee. These were the three, or the top three that I can think of, that turned into real friendships. But either way, I was building connections with people who understood my life better, and that always makes you feel a little less alone. Number two, say yes to the invites you get. Yes, it's scary to say yes to invites when you barely know anyone in the room, but in my experience, I know if I'm in a room where I know less people, I actually make more effort to talk to the new people. Because if I'm in a room full of my school friends and my uni friends, I just stick to them and I don't talk to anyone outside of our little bubble. And there is no point complaining about not meeting new people if you turn down invites. Also, when you're in a room full of people you know, actually go out of your comfort zone and talk to that one person you don't know in the room. And trust me, that person will appreciate it. I was actually at a hen party recently and everyone was from my uni and there was only one person from the hen school. So I did that thing where when we were talking about stories from uni, I would extra explain it so that friend understood. And so I did that small gesture of explaining a little bit more so she could understand and laugh along with us and it's a small thing to you but it's a big thing to that person and I think if you do that for someone it will come back to you in a karmic way when you're that person alone in a room wishing someone would just explain what's going on. Number three ask your friends to invite you to their friendship group. This is a really vulnerable thing to do and I know it because I did it. So I used to go back to Hong Kong every summer for three months but I didn't know anyone because I went to school here and I was only going back to see my family and it became very lonely and I did it for about eight years until one day I said to my friend, 
I'm so lonely in Hong Kong, I don't know anyone. And there was one day we were overlapping. She lived in Australia, I lived here in England. And there was one day we were both in Hong Kong and she was like, well, let me introduce you to someone on the one night that we were there together. So she brought three of her friends along and that night we became instant friends. They invited me out the next night and the next night and we ended up going out six nights a week for three months. And I'm still friends with some of those people today. And I was talking to her last week and she was like, it was so strange that you actually said yes. You said yes to complete strangers. We all knew each other. I can't believe you were so bold and brave to just say yes and join us and I was like do you know how many friends I had in Hong Kong not one zero zero friends the reason why I said yes is because I had no other choice so I didn't want to spend three months alone and the fear of spending three months alone was greater than the fear of you guys rejecting me or thinking I was weird or thinking I had no friends because I did have no friends so yes it's hard and it's vulnerable but it's worth it and that became my favorite summer and now I look back at that time thinking how much fun we had and I understand this might be harder in pandemic times but for example I'm in a new whatsapp group that was formed within the pandemic to talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills I don't know anyone in that whatsapp group other than the person who invited me and we've already decided post-pandemic we're going to have Real Housewives watching parties and painting parties and all kinds of things, treasure hunts. And that's full of a group of people I do not know and simply came about because I said that I was watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So ask around, you just need one friend to be open to inviting you into their friendship group. On to the next question. Hi Michelle, my name's Rachel and I wanted to ask a question about friendship and how you determine whether you should give a friend space or try to contact them. In my situation, I called a friend up asking to talk as I was upset. They said it was okay, but instead of offering some support, they talked about their own problems. I I did call them out on this as I wasn't in a place to help them at that moment in time, but since they haven't been in touch at all, except from when I called a couple of weeks later, they didn't answer, and a week after that, They said they weren't in a place to answer at that time. I want to talk and try to resolve some issues I've been having with them. As them talking about themselves is a fairly common occurrence and I don't really feel like an equal in our friendship. But I also don't want to push communication if they're not in the right headspace to listen. I I don't know whether I should be prioritising how I feel to talk it through or how they're feeling and give them space. Thank you so much for all your fantastic podcasts and everything that you do. You're doing a brilliant job. Take care, Rachel. Hey, Rachel. I'm so sorry. That's such a tough situation. The way I see it is it's every person's responsibility to look after their own needs and make sure their needs are getting met. So whilst their need for space is important and they are getting their needs met, it doesn't mean you can't ask for what you need because the worst they can say is no. So how I would go about this is I would text them something like, hey, it's been a while and I know you aren't in a great headspace, but could you let me know when you have a moment to speak? It's important. Miss you. And then I tend to end uh, texts with two kisses, but even putting emojis in tend to really help. Then when you actually get them on the phone or you meet up in person, I would say to them, I really care about you and I really want to work on our friendship because I want you in my life. The thing I struggle with is that when I'm confiding in you, I find that the conversation often returns back to you and your problems and I find that really difficult. 
notice how I'm emphasizing how important the relationship is for me and how much I want to heal it and fix it so it's not coming from an attacking place and it means they won't get defensive you can go two ways with this conversation so you can either say have you noticed that you do this if you want to turn it into a conversation of trying to understand them if that's the part that you have issue with or if you simply just don't want them to do it anymore then you can say it really hurts my feelings when you do this and it makes me feel like you don't care about what I'm going through or replace that with however you're feeling just remember when I give these text templates they are in my words so make sure they change so that they are in your words and again within my words how I would then end it is for this friendship to work I need more balance in this relationship and I would love the support I give you to be reciprocated in response to the part where you asked about pushing a conversation when they aren't ready you are right that having a conversation at the wrong time can make it more heated it can make them more defensive but I also think if it's causing you any discomfort or angst in any way and I think it is because you sent me this voice note then you shouldn't be living like that and you shouldn't be living in that for a prolonged period of time as much as we never want to choose the wrong time we also need to be wary of also waiting too long for the right time because frankly there's never going to be a moment when someone wants to have this conversation I had a similar situation with one of my friends and I'm a very upfront person who likes to deal with things head on but this friend was a person who's very non-confrontational and if we had it her way we would have never had that conversation. She would have happily avoided that conversation for years but that's not the way I work so I needed to have that conversation so I made it a priority to get my needs met and I opened up the conversation so that I could have my peace of mind. Also, be open to the idea that the lack of effort on their part and also the fact that they are unable to listen to you and your problems could be an indication of a friendship not worth keeping. I believe you should have this conversation, give them the benefit of the doubt and the chance to change, but also have in your mind that if they can't understand why you are upset or refuse to acknowledge what they have done, then you deserve better and you can find that somewhere else. Best of luck and thank you so much for all your kind and lovely words. It really means the world that my content is helping and I really appreciate all your support and for you letting me know. To end every episode, I share something I am working on because if you are going to get vulnerable, I want to get vulnerable too and make sure you are met in that vulnerable space and you're not alone in it. And the thing I am working on is my moral superiority. I'm not a judgmental person. I think that part of myself got um, removed out of me as I became a life coach. And you sort of understand everyone's got their own stuff going on. But the thing I do struggle with, and I struggle with this a lot, is that if I'm seeing something that is unjust or unfair and that person has not had any consequences of their behaviour... I often feel like they're getting away with it and I have to intervene somehow. I'm not talking about cancel culture. I'm simply talking about consequences. And when there are no consequences whatsoever, it really infuriates me. And I believe there should be repercussions, especially when what that person has done is discriminatory. So what I'm trying to learn right now and what I'm trying to teach myself is that I'm not the moral compass of the world. Just because I think it's wrong doesn't mean everyone agrees. And more than that, 
it's not my business to enforce this morality because it is this one-up mentality and that's not good for me and it's not good for other people. So I want to get rid of an aspect of this. I do want to keep part of it because I think that as much as it comes with a downside, it also is probably why I get into a lot of the work I do because I want to be a voice against discrimination and oppression. But from a mental health perspective and from my own personal peace perspective, I think sometimes I have to accept that karma will do its work at its own pace and not at the pace I want it to happen and that whilst I don't think everyone always gets their consequences I think a consequence of doing horrible things is you have to live with yourself and you must be a really unhappy person with a miserable life to be capable of doing that so yes they might get job opportunities and continue to progress superficially But internally, it can't be very rosy. I'm still a work in progress, so I wouldn't want someone else to judge me on that. And so I need to give them permission to change and allow that growth to happen at the pace that they need to do it. And that's the beauty of personal development. I am aware of it and now I can change it. Anyway, thank you so much for all your questions. This podcast couldn't happen without your voice notes. So I really appreciate the time and energy and effort you've all gone into to send a question my way. And if you want more episodes, I need more voice notes. And if you would like to be part of a future episode, then get your question answered by emailing me a voice note in all honesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be in the description below if you didn't catch that. And in the meantime, you can go pre-order my new book, The Joy of Being Selfish. It's all about boundaries and if you like these kind of conversations there's an entire chapter on friendships and setting boundaries within friendships that you would enjoy as well so make sure you go hit pre-order but other than that you can go find me on scarred not scared on instagram twitter and tiktok you can also get my first book am i ugly or watch my ted talk have you hated your body enough today i look forward to speaking to you in the next episode next week we will be talking about emotions and how to process them which is a very necessary life skill. So I look forward to speaking to you then. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.